Men, welcome to Iron Sharpens Iron, a show by men and for men, a co-production of Catholic Men's Ministry in the Diocese of Columbus and Fathers of St. Joseph. I'm Matt Palmer. I'm blessed to be your host. Our co-host is Devin Shad. Hey, Devin. How you doing, brother? Hey, Matt. Good. Good. Beautiful day. And we are so excited, Devin and I, to share with you men David Abel. David, uh, welcome. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you. It's my honor to be here. It's, it's great to have you. Devin, would you open us in a word of prayer here as we get our hearts ready to listen to, to Devin's story, to David's story, and how the Lord is working through him? Yeah, absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, you are our Father, and we just love you, and we praise you, we adore you. We just ask that you send forth your Holy Spirit into us, enlighten us, inspire us. Please, give us that one thing, that one thing you want us to do today to make the big changes, well, to make the little changes in our life, to have the, the big result, the big result of us bearing your fruit, fruit that will last. We ask that you be with us and inspire us and just enliven us, enliven our faith, Lord, and help us to realize no matter where we're at in our life that you are with us and that you can make it better. We ask all this in Jesus' most powerful and holy name. Amen. Amen. Father. The Son of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Mama Mary and Saint Joseph, pray for pray us, for Amen. Thank you, Devin. So, David, let's uh, let's give our listeners a chance to kind of get a sense of you. Take us back before we talk about this amazing ministry that you helped to found, Stewardship Mission of Faith. Take us back and just tell us a little bit about growing up, where you grew up, and a little bit about your life prior to your conversion. Would you? Absolutely. So, I was born and raised in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Had 57 aquariums in my parents' basement. My parents thought, well, since he likes fish, he should go to college for biological oceanography. But that really wasn't my gifting. What I came to realize is my gifting was the gift of an entrepreneur. It was sales and marketing. It was people. And so I didn't continue after two years of uh, biological oceanography and started a business. Then got married and proceeded to have children. Today we have 17 children, 12 adopted from around the world, 12 daughters. And God took me on a journey starting a business at age 18. Now that business is 44 years old. I'm 62 years old. And the business has been blessed by the Lord beyond my understanding. We have about 600 associates. We're a God-honoring company that is a stewardship company that shares almost 30% of its net profits with missions around the world. And at age 46, the Lord got a hold of me and rocked my world and changed my world because for the first time in my life, I gave it my all-in at age 46. You know, it's amazing what God does um, when we are ready to give ourselves fully to him. Was there something, was there, you know, usually I, I, I sense in most guys' lives that have turned their life to Christ, there's a, there's a crisis, there's a, something that's uh, some suffering, some difficulty. Was there something in your life that um, was happening that you really kind of hit bottom and needed to give yourself to Christ in that way? Well, so yeah, so when I was eight years old, I opened my father's closet looking for something, and the pile of pornography books fell out of my father's closet. And it started me in a journey that, quite honestly, he was on, that, quite honestly, my grandfather was on, addiction to pornography. Also, I was addicted to alcohol, which, through the grace of God, he broke me free in my 20s. Anger addiction, through the grace of God, broke me free in my 20s. Gambling addiction, through the grace of God, broke me free in my 20s. Both my father and my grandfather both suffered from those addictions, but I could not absolutely, no matter how hard I tried, 
break free from pornography. It owned me. And I got married addicted at age 21. Uh, the pornography, which is worse than a cocaine or heroin addiction, addiction, it ends up owning you. And so at age 46, I had come to the point, although nobody would have known it, of not caring if I lived or died. I was totally empty in my heart. I hated myself. I hated acting out. I hated the pornography of my life, and I couldn't be set free. So through the grace of God and that hitting bottom in my life where I didn't care if I lived or died, the Lord knew that. I met a priest who was of our parish priest who invited me to be part of stewardship, a group at our parish, and form it and, and launch it. And it was through that forming and launching in the first meeting that God spoke to my heart, and I truly heard him. Through the man at the other end of the table, when I told him I knew what stewardship was, it was about writing a check and giving money, he said, no, David, it's about an understanding of the heart that everything we have is a gift from God that we're to use to help others. That was the key to my heart that set me on a journey of freedom. God took me on a journey to teach me my Catholic faith, which I was brought up Catholic, went to Catholic schools, but had no clue, but to teach me the truth and beauty of my Catholic faith through the Bible, through the Word of God, so that I had a language that was biblical that could transverse all denominations, speaking biblically of the truths and beauty of our Catholic faith. And the Lord Jesus Christ, on January 11, 2005, set me free. I gave him my all in. I said, Jesus, I trust in you. I confessed my sins. The Lord set me free through that confession. And I did dump that on my wife at the time, which devastated her world. So our choices have consequences. The Lord knew I didn't care if I lived or died. He wanted to set me free, and he took me on a journey to help me help others who are battling this horrific addiction that is meant to emasculate the fathers, take us down, destroy the families. I, he has done so much in me, with me, and through me to help set captives free. It's really the impetus and the start of stewardship and mission of faith to help set the captives free, to reclaim our identity in Christ as precious sons and daughters of the Father. Wow, David, what a what an amazing story. I am uh I'm kind of blown away. Devin, you know, I think about um our identity in Christ as sons and if somehow we grow up not understanding that identity, when we don't understand our sonship in Christ, we're going to struggle, uh, as David did and as all of us do, to understand the calling that we have to be to what a father really is, what a husband and what a father really is. In, in, in David's story, Devin, don't we just hear, we hear Adam's story, we hear the story of all of us that just struggle to understand the greatness of our identity in Christ. Absolutely. Yeah, David, what a, what a great story. But yeah, I, I think that anytime we don't understand who we really are, you know, St. Catherine of Siena says, become who you are, you know, who you really are, and you will set the world ablaze. So we've, when we lose touch with that dignity that we are sons of God, when we don't understand our identity, then we begin to develop false identities. And I think this is really the problem with our culture, is that we, we've got an identity culture. We, we look to, you know, logos, you know, we wear logos, with logos on our car, rather than the logos, eternal wisdom, you know. And I think that we're trying to identify ourselves in ways that can give us value rather than God. And, 
And I think the bottom line is, is like our identity leads to our destiny. And so at an early age, the devil comes in and he wants to wound us, to get us to cover up that identity. Because if we, if we assume that identity that God has planned for us, we become a manifestation, a revelation of God in a way that no one else can. So the devil hates that. So he wants to wound us to get us to cover that up, to be ashamed of that. And then so we dress differently, we talk differently, we surround ourselves with different types of friends, and then the wrecking ball comes in and blasts down that identity. So then we reconfigure and regroup and build thicker walls and higher walls. And I I think then we develop this pseudo-identity, and pretty soon we don't even know who we are. So our identity no longer leads us to our destiny, which is God, but then we can't lead anyone else to their true destiny of love, hope, and joy in God. And so... Yeah, like with David, you know, alcohol, anger, gambling, porn, for all of us, it's so similar where we're developing these coping mechanisms, a way to derive what we would think is love or, or comfort or some kind of consolation rather than being identified as a son of God. But really it comes down to faith. You know, Hebrews chapter 11, I think verse 6 says, without faith it's impossible to please God. And I think one of the greatest ways or the biggest ways that men struggle in faith is believing that God created them to be good, that God delights in them, that God's chosen them, that God desires them. I think a lot of guys don't believe that. And you know, so often, uh, David, it sounds like you can relate to this, so often it's generational. Um, One of the reasons we struggle to believe is that we see in our own father or grandfather, we see in men around us that the same wound and the same struggle, and we just... We just assume that that's our lot. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking about how you were just immersed in this from from an early age, just a, a generational wound that was passed on to you. You know, it's amazing because I was listening to Devin. I was thinking about my own story, and I shared with you, I didn't care if I lived or died, but I will tell you, when the Lord got a hold of me and he set me free through the gift of the reconciliation, the confession, and the gift of his life in me, I became a new creation in Christ. The old man was dead. And I had my life today for 16 years is a great adventure every day. I like to talk about the balance in my life because that's key for every man and woman listening. My BC days before Christ in my life, my top five priorities were self. It was all about me, me, myself, and I, stuff. I tried to buy stuff to buy happiness. It was business. I worked seven days a week to try and fill the ache of my heart. It was children, and then it was spouse. God didn't make my top five. When I had my crash and break into a million pieces, and then Jesus Christ put me back together, my right-ordered life, A.D., after the death of days, is this. My number one priority in life is my relationship with God the Father in through and with Jesus Christ, because it's from that relationship that every other relationship flows to my wife, to my children, to, to, the, to the ministry opportunities. So, number one, my relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. Priority one in my life. In fact, it's right in the scriptures. You know, love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And then, number two in my life is my spouse. Because God has entrusted his precious daughter, his precious sister, and his bride to me to love her rightly, to love her purely. So for me, I ask God's help every day to rightly love his daughter, his sister, and his bride purely and passionately. And then number three are children. 
Children, number three priority, what I invest in them is what they will reap and what I will reap through my investment of my life in them. And then number four, I call it ministry opportunities. Ministry opportunities are the workplace, the community, and the church. If I put church work above my wife or my children, I'm out of balance. It's not right ordered. And then number five on the list is self. What do I put in my eyes, my mouth, my ears to keep me healthy, to keep me able to truly be a fond of God's life-giving waters of my heart as opposed to, you know, the negativity which is out there in the world. So again, and one of the keys I think for everybody is this, which I had a difficult time with. Scripture tells us to love God, of course, with all our heart, all our mind, our soul, our strength, but then to love our neighbor as thyself. You've got to love yourself. And I had a difficult time doing that because I hated myself. I hated what I did. I hated what I did in my past. But through the grace of God and my spiritual director, Monsignor John Essef, he said, would you please let the dead be buried? Quit digging it up. It stinks. stinks." He said, David, you are a new creation in Christ. Open the gift of the present moment. Live it in love. Trust in God and watch him live in you, with you, and through you. And to to that, I say this. My life today is a great adventure. Amen. Men, well, you're listening to Iron Sharpens Iron, and uh, it's a co-production of Catholic Men's Ministry and Fathers of St. Joseph. I'm your host, Matt Palmer, with Catholic Men's Ministry, and I'm joined by my co-host, Devin Shad, Fathers of St. Joseph. And our guest today is David Abel, an amazing journey, adventure, as he said, living boldly for Christ um, after a an earlier life of great pain and great suffering uh, because of sin and addiction, and now um, bearing much fruit for the kingdom. David, talk about uh, if guys are, are struggling, um, how do they move forward in life? What uh, confession, you've, you've, you've shared how important confession is. Talk one more time about that before we kind of move to some of your daily disciplines. But I, I want the guys to really understand the power of the sacrament of confession, encountering Jesus in that sacrament. Talk about that from your perspective then and as you continue to be healed through it. Absolutely. So it took a real God moment at Mass, where in Mass one day, right after my meeting at Stewardship, like a motion picture, God rolled every one of my sins from age 8 forward, and I wept because I came to realize God the Father He knew every one of my sins, but I was hiding, just like Adam, not confessing them to him because he wouldn't like me if I did that. But you see, that's the enemy's voice. God the Father gave his Son so that we would have life and have it in abundance through the gift of Jesus' life. So when I got to go to confession and I confessed my sins to to, to God through the priest and I received that forgiveness, I'm telling you, I felt I could have floated out of that confessional. It's the first time that I brought into the light what nobody knew of the sexual abuse that occurred in my life at age 12, 13, 14. Nobody knew my story, but God the Father did. He wasn't embarrassed. He wanted to set me free. He gave the gift of his son. So I can't encourage your listeners enough. Go to the sacrament of confession. The priest is a gift from God. He's the conduit that God chose to use to get you set free. Get set free and then work with God every day. God gave me a little bit of a tool. If you're battling pornography, the moment an image comes to your mind, the moment that thought comes to your mind, 
Scripture tells us, take a captive and pray for everyone on the, in that image, the men, the women. You don't need to know their name. God knows their name. If you do that, Satan will run. Because the last thing he wants you to do is pray for those people. He wants you to run the movie, to do it about, you know, to use them. So for me, God's given me tools to help me in this battle against pornography. So it's my thorn in my side. So through the grace of God, set free for 16 years. So use the tool. And one other point I would want to make to your listeners, that a priest told me in Ethiopia, he said, David, the past is in God's mercy. To go there only causes despair. It's a trap of the enemy meant to rob and steal the gift of the present moment. Don't go there. God doesn't live in the past. Gentlemen, ladies, don't dig up the past. You learn from it, but let it be dead. You're a new creation in Christ. He said, then, David, the future's in God's providence. Don't go there. The future, God doesn't live there. It's the what-if roller coaster ride. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this is said? What if that is said? Stop. He said it's another trap of the enemy meant to rob and steal the gift of the present moment. David, live in the present moment. Receive the gift from God. Open it up and live it in love. For 16 years I've done that, and I'm telling you, the life that is in my heart is unparalleled. Gosh. Devin, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about just the 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 boldness and the excitement and the joy that the Holy Spirit gives our brother David. And there are men out there, Devin, that are that want that and they are struggling to find that. And I think we have to begin again with who do we see as God the Father? Do we see him as a, as a condemning judge or do we see him as a loving father? I think the prodigal son story, the prodigal father story is such a beautiful understanding of God the Father and what he wants each of us to do. Tell these guys, Devin, a little bit that are listening how how to understand God the Father, how to how to approach him and how to see him uh, properly is the way he wants with the way he really is. Yeah, I I think it's it's interesting. I mean, like you bring up the prodigal father or the prodigal son, that beautiful story that Jesus recounts in Luke. And you look at that story, what he, the father has two sons. The one asks for his inheritance, the father's inheritance, which means I wish you were dead because that's how you get an inheritance is dad, you're dead. Give me what's coming to me. So he's basically saying, dad, I wish you were dead. And, but his father gives him the inheritance or his share, which Actually, the Father is an icon of God the Father. What, what this is showing is that no matter what kind of child the Heavenly Father has, He bestows grace, He bestows gifts, He loves all. He lets the rain fall on the good and the bad, the sun fall on the shine on the just and the unjust. So He gives Him these gifts. But the young man goes into a foreign land, which the Jews meant exile, <clears throat> sin, foreign, you know, to be away from God. And He squanders it on loose living. And then... He's starving. He wants to eat the husks that the pigs are eating. And for a Jew, that's like blasphemy because Jews don't eat anything that's touched, you know, hoofed animals, which in this case is a pig. And so he's really desperate. And then he has this idea, I'll go to my father with words. I'll I'll ask him if I can be a servant, just a hired hand in his house. But here's the key. As he starts to make his trip back home, where is the father? The Father is scanning the horizon daily, waiting for this Son who's abandoned Him, abandoned all that the Father has given Him. He's waiting for Him. He's scanning the horizon in hope that He will one day return. And then when He catches this glimpse 
of his son, his frail, starving son, out on the horizon, what does he do? Sit back in his chair and wait for him, say, yep, I told you so. I knew you'd be back. No. He runs to his son. He sprints out to a Middle Eastern Jew or Arab or whoever. That's like, that's the height of foolishness. First of all, in Jesus' culture, Middle Middle Eastern men don't run because it's like being like a child. So that's foolish and shameful. But then to run to a son who squandered your goods and your inheritance, that's even worse. And yet this father runs out, madly dashes to his son, falls on his son's neck, and his son begins to give the confession. I just think of David and the confessional. He begins to give the confession, and the father, he just, it's almost like, it's enough. I'm with you. That's all I wanted. And then he gives him the ring. He gives him the the robe. He gives him sandals on his feet. No way is he going to be a servant. This son of mine who is dead is now alive. And so this is the father's love. And I love the other son, too, in the sense I love the part about the other son, because the other son is the Jew who fulfills the law. He's like, he's like, you know, how can you throw this party for my brother? You know, he won't even go into the party. The father has to come out once again, goes out to meet this older son or this son who's always been good. You know, I've obeyed every one of your commands, and you've never given me even a kid goat to celebrate with my friends, you know. And he says, hey, all that I have is yours. And see, this is the father. All that I have is yours. He runs out to meet us. He desires us. He wants us to be his. He wants to share his glory. Second Thessalonians, I think, 2.14, or First Thessalonians 2.14 says that God wants us to partake in his glory. God doesn't hoard his glory. He shares his glory. That's his nature. He's a sharer. He's a giver. But here's the fundamental problem. The devil wants us to believe. He, the devil instills the father wound because he's the father of lies. And what's his lie? That God is distant. God doesn't care. And in fact, when we look at the cross, oftentimes we can misunderstand Jesus to be the expression, who is the expression of God's self-giving love, running out to meet us, becoming man, entering into our space and into our, our lives, becoming one with us. We misunderstand that as God killing his own son. And if God's going to kill his own son, what's he going to do with me? Well, no. God the Father, God the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, agreed before all time to do this for us to run out and to meet us. And if Jesus has come all this way out to meet us, shouldn't we at least take a couple steps to meet him? Mm. And, you know, it's so beautiful. David, you, I'm picturing you, you in that confession, um, the ring, the sandals, you were, you were restored. And, and God the Father doesn't just want to restore us. He wants to bring out abundance out of us. He wants to take that life and then move it forward to bless others. So we've got about four minutes left, um, David. I want, I want you to share with our listeners, the men, um, talk about stewardship mission of faith. Talk about you know, what God has given you there in a ministry and kind of give them a sense of what that ministry is all about. Absolutely. You know what the enemy meant to take me down and out, pornography and that addiction to that? God then takes that and uses it because now our battle worldwide is against the scourge of pornography to set the fathers free so they can reclaim their identity in Christ as the fathers and priests of the home. So what the enemy thought he was going to take me out in, God now, once you confess and you're set free, he uses it to set the captives free, to set 
millions free. Stewardship, a mission of faith, was founded on this, the understanding of stewardship, that everything we have is a gift from God that we're to use to help others. When you get that, we don't own anything, but everything we have is God's gift. How can I use his gift through my gift of my life, my, my work, my skills, whatever it is, to be a blessing to others? That's what Stewardship's Mission of Faith is all about. And coming up alongside of people like Devin, like Marty Rotella, you know, like Keith, like, you know, like all the ones and, and Jim O'Day that have come to us that needed a back shop to help take the message to restore men and women to the precious sons and daughters of the Father. That's what we're all about. Restoring what the enemy has taken away, but what God wants to resurrect to bring the true beauty of our church to, to the world so that we all can experience the abundant life in, through, and with Jesus Christ. And when you say you're yes and you get clean, the amount of grace that is poured into you and how God will use your story. One of the greatest lies of the enemy is God would never forgive me if he knew what I did. That must be the unforgivable sin. Do you know what the unforgivable sin is? The unforgivable sin is the sin that you choose to not forgive of your very self. So, ladies and gentlemen, God knows all your sins. Go to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Go often, once a month, once every two weeks. Ask the Holy Spirit to shine the light on your sins. Get set free and be the world changers God created you to be. Man, you've been listening to Iron Sharpens Iron, and uh, we have our guest today, David Abel. David, I'm going to ask you in this final minute to just close us in prayer and just lift up the men that are listening and just ask the Lord to touch their hearts the way he's touched your heart. Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly amen. Father, we are just so humbled, honored, and grateful that you have chosen us before time to be world changers, to be your light in this world. Father, pour out your grace upon us that we may truly repent of our sins, be set free, receive the gift that Jesus Christ offers to the whole world, the gift of the abundant light that we may go forward boldly with courage to share the truth of the gospel, the good news of the salvation of souls and an eternity with you at the banquet in heaven. Father, let us cast out all fear through your grace that we can truly be the precious sons and daughters that you created us to be and receive the love that you want to absolutely lavish us with. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. David, thank you. <laughs> Guys, go live this great life of faith. Live it with boldness. Live it with mercy and love. Have a great day. God bless.